Greetings, rare ones, and welcome to the Rebirds Emerging Market Podcast. I'm your host, Joanne. I started Rebirds a few years ago because I wanted to learn the stories behind startups in emerging markets. This has since evolved into a multimedia brand with content covering the intersections of early stage entrepreneurship, emerging markets, and blockchain technology. The Rebirds Emerging Market Podcast is where I have conversations with startup founders, ecosystem builders, and investors from across emerging markets. We are now on season eight, exploring the Puerto Rico startup ecosystem. Greetings, rare ones, and welcome back to series eight, exploring the Puerto Rico startup ecosystem. I have really bad news today. This series is now at its end. Actually, today is the final podcast episode, and you will hear me have a fantastic conversation in episode 178 with Sebastian Vidal. And what a great way to end this podcast because every entrepreneur that I interviewed as a part of this series mentioned Parallel 18 and mentioned Sebastian. So this is a perfect end to such a great series. So Sebastian is a Chilean and he was involved with uh, Startup Chile. He was involved at early stages as well. He later became the executive director of that. He moved over to Puerto Rico, where he became the director of Parallel 18, which is a popular accelerator on the island. And he's worked with thousands of startups. He has worked with other countries in helping them building to build rather similar startup accelerators in their country. And I think he's got a really incredible story. He said he, he said he doesn't, but I think he's just being humble and polite. And um, yeah, it was a great conversation. I learned a lot from him and I think he will too, especially if you're into um, ecosystem building and just learning from others who've done it really, really well. So um, what I will say, one of the major takeaways that I will say from this particular episode is that Sebastian is all about impact and he deeply cares about founders and what they're doing and he's really all about change so um i think uh, you'll really enjoy this conversation so enjoy this final episode and don't forget to listen in to the previous episodes and next week wednesday i will be back for another installment of conversations with joanne and i'll tell you what we will be doing next all right until the end Bye for now. Greetings, Sebastian, and welcome to the Rivers Emerging Market Podcast. Hello, Joan. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for joining us. So, Sebastian, I know that you are Chilean. And before we dive into your incredible story, can you just tell us a little bit about like who you are and what your life was like growing up in Chile before you got into this world of, of startups and ecosystems? Yeah, sure. Well, my name is Sebastian Vidal, as you mentioned. Um, I, I don't think that I have an incredible story, but I have a, a story. <laughs> um, I'm from Chile, originally from Chile. I, I grew up um, in, a, in the south of Chile, uh, around 300 miles south of the capital, Santiago. 
um, was seeing, I think it's the second or third largest city in, in Chile called Concepcion. It's, um, it's a coastal industrial city. Uh, so it's surrounded um, partially by, by the ocean um, and has a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, big um, um, uh, industries in the fish industry, the wood industry and, and many others. So growing up there was a very, um, I'll say, calm, uh, quiet, small neighborhood life. You know? um, my father used to work in a factory for, you know, as 40, 40 years or something. He basically retired from that factory and it started when he was like 25 years, 25 years old. Mm. So, um, so it was a very, very normal life. Uh, not, you know, like we, we had everything basic that we need. Mm. Um, so I had good education, I have you know, food on the table, um, and uh, the family that is still together until today, and I can complain of, of that. No? I have my parents still together, like I talk to them very often. I haven't seen them in two years though because of COVID. Thank you, COVID-19. Uh, um, yeah. But, um, but but overall, it's, it was a very, very um, a quiet, simple, and beautiful life. I, I really enjoyed my life back in, in Concepcion. Um, my, myself, I've always been curious. Um, since I was, in, I was in school, I was not the most um, the top student um, by any means. I wasn't a bad student, but I was a completely average student. Uh, but the only thing that I think my my biggest uh, characteristic or part of my character was that I was very curious. Like uh, I couldn't couldn't stay still, and also I couldn't, you know, um, I, I really wanted to go against against what was determined to be for me. Um, that means that if I am, you know, if I, I if I if math was complete com complicated. Um, and, and nobody was expecting for me to take math, I would go and take math, even though mm. I was the worst of math. Um, mm. And that was, that's something that, that follows me throughout my whole life. And I think um, it has sparked my, my sense of creativity, innovation and curiosity in general. So that's, that's part of my, my initial story. Awesome. You know, as you were speaking, I was looking, you said you're from Concepcion. I was looking, I found a Concepcion, but unfortunately not in Chile, in Paraguay. Yes. I mean, I think there's a, it's a, it's a well-kept secret. <laughs> Concepcion. Okay. I'm going to have to find it on my map later on. Okay, cool. Well, that's curiosity is, was a very good thing because I think, uh, do you think it contributed to some of the work that, that you've been doing as an adult, your, your profession now? You mean in leaving there or, or no, what? I mean, you said you were, you were a very curious person, a very curious child. Okay, yeah. That's definitely contributed to the life you have now, I think. Right. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and I, and I think um, that the curiosity um, aspect has, as I said, followed me in, in different stages of my life. Um, not only in what I'm, you know, my professional life now, but also my personal life. You know, at the beginning of my career, like 
we, I think curiosity was what it took me to, you know, live in New Zealand for two years. Nice. Um, curiosity, you know, uh, took me to, you know, I spent eight to nine months traveling around the world. Then curiosity brought me to the wine industry as, a, as we briefly mentioned before. Yeah. And then curiosity brought me to the entrepreneurial work, the startup work. Yeah. Cool. So, so I, I think it's, it's, it's part of my life in different stages. Right, right. So let's talk about Startup Chile. Okay, so Startup Chile is this very well-known uh, government-led program, right, that uh, has transformed Chile. And it's also kind of uh, paved the way for not to dissimilar programs around the globe, right? So you were a core part of that team, and I believe you progressed your way in the organization and you ended up becoming the executive director, right? So can you tell us a little bit about how that all happened? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so yeah, I, I started Startup Chile at the very beginning. Um, mm. And I was I was very, at the moment, this was 2010, the end of 2010, I was, um, I was looking into, into be an entrepreneur, right? Like at that time, startups, uh, investment, venture capital was almost inexistent in Chile. There was like almost a couple of of uh, brave entrepreneurs out there. And there's there's very little venture capital, more like private equity investment. And nobody actually was taking into consideration to be an, a, a tech entrepreneur, right? There was a lot of entrepreneurs in general. And actually my school was very focused on that, but not tech entrepreneurs and startups. And, and at the end of 2010, I decided with a couple of friends to go and and, and build something, build, a, build a, tech, a tech company. It didn't work Like we, we spent a lot of a lot of money to that time into development like the the, the whole mistake of developing developing and not going into into the market and, and try the product and having the lean startup approach um so i got a little bit frustrated and, and broke at the same time and um and uh, i started searching for information and i started searching for startups in chile and whatever and then suddenly i came up with startup chile it's like what is this and it was just starting and i found it so fascinating because i think um it was a, it was a program that was mixing so many things that i was i was passionate about you know like i wanted to do something for my country i wanted to be an entrepreneur i want to know what the startup world was and 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 funny enough and this is you know the coincidence of life that you know keep happening in my life i would say is that one of the one of the directors there at that moment was the, the assistant director was a very good friend of mine from from high school and actually from Concepcion uh, we met first time so it's a huge coincidence and I reached out to him and said hey if you need someone I'm here you know like and he called me probably in a month and and on a Friday I still remember at like 4 p.m and says like Sebastian can you be here at six I said, yes, I will be there at six. And, and I was there and we had a meeting. I love it. Uh, it was everything that I was expected to be. And, and I started working the week that followed. Um, I think I think a Startup Chile, it's, it's a very, you know, it, it represents a big part of my professional heart, I would say. <laughs> mm. Oh, I like uh, that. Your professional heart. I've never heard someone describe their their career in that way interesting i mean i like that uh, 
I think my heart is already full with my family and my, you know, my kids and everything. So I, I think mm. my personal heart is not like, um, so, so, but startup Chile is definitely something that formed, formed me in many ways um, in, you know, working with a team that has a purpose um, that, you know, will do everything for changing a country's culture um, and power, something that it was not existent, innovation, um, at a, at a pace that I wouldn't have thought it was possible. And also, you know, the good thing about that is like, we were part of the government, right? So you, I mean, from all of my life, basically, that I, you know, I, I start getting a sense of what a government was. For me, it was like old, bureaucratic, slow, um, inefficient. So just the fact that for us to be, um, you know, doing things differently, um, having a, a different approach, being innovating, innovating inside, moving fast, moving things forward. It was it was a complete disruption within an industry that hasn't been disrupted for centuries, right? Um, mm. And I think that was what um, attracted the attention of many other countries. Right. Um, to be able to design their own, right? Uh, and just just to, just a minute to define what a startup Chile is. Is first of all, is the first the first program that designed a startup visa for international entrepreneurs so they can come to Chile for a year, right? So the first startup visa was launched by Chile in uh, startup Chile, and the idea was why don't we bring all of these entrepreneurs here? We pay them. We pay them. Um, all of these brains to Chile so they can help us move forward into the innovation ecosystem ecosystem landscape. So we realized in 2010 that we were like 20 years behind the most advanced innovation ecosystems of the world. So how do we do to get there in a faster pace when where we are we we will going to be importing brain so they can integrate with the locals and then move forward forward a little bit faster in terms of innovation ecosystem. And that was explosive. We have, I still remember in 2014, no, 2012, we have almost 400 media outlets of the most important media outlets of the world, 400. That's pretty much one a day or more. Um, and and as I said, you know, like we, we, we got attention from many, many other countries. So far, you know, more than 2,500 companies have gone through Startup Chile, it's 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 far more bigger than 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 billions in terms of valuation of the companies. The impact in the economy is undoubtedly big in 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 terms of economy in, in Chile and social, cultural, social as well. So yeah, many many good things, many positive things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what you've just described, do you believe all the things you've just mentioned are what made Startup Chile, the model so special, the visa, for example, the fact that you're bringing brilliant minds from all over the world. I think um, I think it, it was a it was a combination of elements. Uh, I wouldn't say there was a silver bullet because from from our different um, stakeholders, you can you could say. It was it was innovative in different ways. Like if you if you take the startup for example, world, um, startups at that time couldn't believe that we were giving money away, equity free, 
So the equity component was very novel at the time. So a startup in, in Vietnam will say, where I can go to develop my startup. And then Chile was there with $40,000 and the visa to give you entrepreneur from Vietnam to come to Chile. Um, that, was, that was pretty crazy. So the element yeah. of, of the, the equity free funding for startups were crazy. The yeah. element of, uh, of visa was crazy for startups as well, but was even crazier for governments, right? All of these foreign policy were very hot at the moment in the United States because there were many foreign students and entrepreneurs in the US that had to leave their, that, uh, the US and go back to the countries because of the lack of migratory policies, right? Mm. Uh, and then suddenly the small country in the extreme part of the world was saying, hey, I have a visa here. So many countries were saying like, how do they do this? And, and how smart at the same time, because you know we know that migratory policies in the US were not as advanced as it should. No? And so that was from the government perspective. And the other thing uh, is it was, uh, it was the amount, the volume of the companies that we were selecting, you know, 300 companies a year, right? And we were a very small team, like 15 people, 12 people team, 300 companies a year. It was, a, it was really moving the needle um, into, into the economy. You know? So that's, I think that's, at, at the end, and, and my, my, my teammates always used to say, uh, at that time, we really make a government look cool, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's what that's what what they really like, right? Good for brand Chile, brand Chile, yeah. The government, the country, yeah. yeah. And it's worth noting that I I think startup Chile. Correct me if I'm wrong. They celebrated their tenth anniversary last year, right? Or like last year or two years ago or something. Yeah. Yeah. I last think year. they did. Yeah. Very cool. So meanwhile, back in Puerto Rico as you were doing all these things with Startup Chile, I think there were some people watching you, right? And you got a call in 2015, and then that sort of started this new chapter in your life, right? Parallel 18, that's kind of like my short researched version, but I'd love for you to give us sort of the big version of how Parallel 18 all came about. Yeah, no, for sure, I got the call. That's, uh, that's for sure, I got the call. Mm. Um, I, at the two thousand, it was in two thousand fourteen. Actually, we okay. were, as I mentioned, as I mentioned, we were like doing a lot of work with different countries. You know, um, we some of the countries that took it seriously was was Malaysia at that time, Brazil, mm. Peru, and um, and I, I think South Korea as well. And I, we were working very very, yeah, a, a lot of time actually. A, a big part of our time was focused on building these playbooks for governments to deploy technology, innovation, entrepreneurship, uh, development ecosystems. No? Uh, so that's where Puerto Rico came in. And through most of this work were, were done through the, the embassies and diplomatic, it was like a diplomatic relationship. Mm. Um, and, uh, and Puerto Rico was, was one of them. And through the Chilean Council, in Puerto Rico, I, I receive a call and says like, you know, why don't we sit down? You know, the government of Puerto Rico wants to do something related to innovation and entrepreneurship because, you know, at that time, 2014, 15, Puerto Rico was going through one of the most um, 
uh, strongest financial crisis at the time that ended up, you know, being defaulted more than $70 billion. Yeah. Um, at the end of 2015. So, so their, their logic, which I loved, by the way, um, there's many things that people can say about Puerto Rico, but I think this one is, for me, was very important. And they say, you know, like we, we have, we have been in this financial crisis for decades now, and we really need to do something different. And for that, we will want for you to design something, something, show it to us, and and we'll see how it goes. Um, so I think that's that's that was very that's perfect for anyone that has an entrepreneurial spirit for say doing you know build something, show it, and we will fund it. And and I what I did was designing the program that that I will always like to be to, to be in and also design. So I knew there was many things in Startup Chile that was very hard to change now because you know a 1500 entrepreneurs program is like a huge boat that you, to, to make a shift is, uh, or to change the course, it's hard and you need effort and you need time. Um, mm. It was very clear to me that there were some things that were important to to, to change or to, to evolve. Um, always understanding and having in the center uh, the entrepreneur, right? Um, so I designed a program and I showed to them and they said, we will do it. And it was the first time of all of the countries that we work with, probably more than 30 countries. It was the first time that a country was saying, I will do this and I will put money into this uh, because that's the hardest part. The, yeah. the every country wants to do a tech ecosystem. Every country wants to put together an infrastructure, but very very few countries want to give money, want to to entrepreneurs, right? Want mm. to actually open their wallets and give those dollars to the entrepreneurs. That mm. those very countries want and and can do that. Um, but that but that's the most important part of the journey because without money, you're not going to see your ecosystem grow. Unfortunately. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, so Puerto Rico came in and I designed the program and basically the program was based on two main challenges. One was that the lack of an entrepreneurial culture, mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to go into details of the, of the history of Puerto Rico, but it has been damaged. The entrepreneurial culture of Puerto Rico has been damaged because of a very strong industrialization, um, economic development initiative in many years, right? So that affected the entrepreneurial culture, but that doesn't mean that was not there. Okay. Uh, it, means it, was, it means it was silent for so many years because most of them had good paying jobs and, you know, they were all, most of them working for pharmaceuticals and they didn't have the, the need. And the, ones that, and the ones that really wanted to do a, or start a company, they leave the island, right? And they start a company in Silicon Valley or in New York or in Boston or whatever. Um, so, my, so, so the, the entrepreneurial quarter was something that we would need to tackle. The other one was the brain drain, right? So there was a huge brain drain in Puerto Rico. Most of the engineers that, that are graduated from the island that ended up leaving the island. Now, there's 5 million Puerto Ricans in the U.S. and there's 3 million Puerto Ricans in Puerto Rico. Mm. Um, and and that was, that's another huge challenge for, for the, to develop an innovation ecosystem. But, that, but those two things made me realize, you know, this is... This is something that I can add value. I have a, I have a, ch a specific challenge. I can make an impact here. Um, 
if you know a developed ecosystem reach out and says we want to do a startup chile probably i wouldn't take it because i i don't think i think the impact is where things are not necessarily there yet um so with those two challenges we started developing parallel gene as a technology accelerator that from one side will empower a position of puerto rico as an innovation ecosystem in the, in the region uh, from the other side will retain talent that otherwise we'll be losing in puerto rico and we will still be attracting new entrepreneurs to the island that wants to see the us as a potential market to grow mm. um, and all of that was based on on the experience that I had. I knew entrepreneurs were struggling to enter the United States. I knew entrepreneurs were looking into a smaller program, a more boutique approach. I know entrepreneurs were looking for uh, a more active and, and more experienced mentor network, right? And even though we had some of that in Chile and Latin America, the amount of people that have, that have built companies that have gone from a million dollars to a hundred million dollars a year in revenue are very limited compared to the US, right? Um, but not only limited, but it's hard to, to, to get access to those experts. But in the US, you can have many of them and they're very accessible um, because of the time. So we could bring to Puerto Rico better and more experts that can help Latin American and other entrepreneurs to to grow and succeed so it was a it was a technology accelerator that was focused on latinos including uh puerto ricans and and uh supported with with an equity free funding as as a as startup chile did it was 60 to 80 companies a year so less than what startup chile did as well um we we also dedicate a small allocation of our fund to investment um mm and which is something novel as well because we didn't do that in startup chile and i think we should have done that to sustain the program in the future um and uh and yeah and so far we have had 200 companies um and they have they are they're growing uh in different markets puerto rico mexico colombia the united states uh to name a few yeah so you designed this program from scratch you um obviously you there's some things that you that you take from startup chile and then there's other things that you create that are specific to puerto rico it sounds like right it's and yes. in addition to all of the other you know the characteristics that you mentioned at the beginning like there wasn't the entrepreneurial culture and the brain gen and all of that so in your medium you you have this medium blog post and i i read through some of the stuff you had in there and you said something that caught my attention right you talked about this local experiment model and you said that uh you believe because of this something like parallel 18 can be replicated across the globe right what is like going back to this model again why do you believe this model can be so easily replicated i mean particularly in like emerging markets for example do you think this is something because you mentioned peru brazil malaysia south korea etc do you think this is something that could work in any emerging market anywhere in the world as long as it's uh, has that like local feature to it yes absolutely absolutely and I, and you know i came to i i always find that 
you know, the startup Chile model is, is a model that I think it can be successful anywhere as well. But to pull it off, it requires too many, too many commitments and willingness that, that need to happen at the same time, right? Government, private, uh, good team, timing in the market, right? Um, it, you need to have funds, you need to have uh, policy. It's many things that you need to have in place that usually take time and not all the governments um, can have the vision that the Chilean government had at that time in 2010. Um, as a matter of fact, they, they don't. No? Mm. Uh, and so, so there's a couple of things that I think is, are interesting, specifically in the, in, the, in the Parallel 18 model that I realized running Parallel 18. I didn't realize that before. Uh, but, 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 you know, working with these different countries, I realized that, you know, when I show them the Startup Chile model, um, even though they found it amazing, the achievements, how do we do it and everything, but it was a, it was a bit far-fetched for them. It was mm. like, we don't have that amount of money. We don't have the policy capabilities. Our government is not, you know, entirely efficient or or is very inefficient um so 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 what are the alternatives and we didn't and i didn't have that too many alternatives so then something cool happened is that the, the hurricane maria in puerto rico happened and you know it was devastating and and and, and all of that that we already that we already know and we decided as a program to double down on our efforts because and we doubled down i think i mean we will increase the budget to support the local companies for the local entrepreneurs or minds, creative minds in Puerto Rico that were affected by the hurricane. The interesting thing of this was that we already have a global network that we could use to support these local entrepreneurs, right? Um, when we started Parallel 18, we didn't have that. We had to create that, right? Um, yeah. And then we built pre-18, which is this pre-accelerator that we built after the Hurricane Maria that was focused entirely on local entrepreneurs. But we already have this big, massive international community. So we bring mentors in, we bring peers so they can help this group of locals look beyond the island itself and help their, 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 companies, their companies grow. So I said, I think, I think it could be interesting this model for these other emerging markets because you you don't need to fight for saying you know like you're giving money to foreigners for example which is yeah. the first critic that you will get um, you don't need to um, bring entrepreneur international entrepreneurs to a country and you avoid the visa issues and all of that which mm. require policy um, you just build a local program and you make sure to bring a global component in it as a mentors and as a community. Right. Now in the pandemic and COVID, it's even more clear that you can do that because everything is virtual and people right. are more accessible than before. Um, so that that's the the global the global concept. Definitely. And you know, you have like those emerging market countries that try the other extreme, which is to emulate Silicon Valley, which personally I think is a bad idea. <laughs> and then you have uh, like the model that you're that you're um, 
talking about, which is what you you know happened in Chile and and in, now in Puerto Rico and other places. Do you think that there, and what you just mentioned as well, do you think that there are any other models that or 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 other ways that can be explored to kind of incorporate this entrepreneurial culture and build an ecosystem? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Um, first of all, I I I I. I same as you, I, I, I am against um, being, like trying to emulate 100% of what happened in Silicon Valley for any country, because I think that that's not understanding the reality of many, many countries and many entrepreneurs. Right. Um, I believe that, you know, the, the, there is aspects and elements from um, an ecosystem of Silicon Valley or Tel Aviv or Berlin or you know, Singapore or many others, no, um, even New York or Boston. Um, but but there's things, there, there's elements that you, that are, um, that you can import, but there's elements that you cannot import. All the opposite, there's elements that you should encourage in your region or your country that are not going to be the same for many other country. Uh, and these elements are the talent, I think talent has to be there some way or another. Mm. Um, and if the talent is not there, you need to make sure to build it whenever, however you can. You know? like, um, and, uh, and, that, and that is something that is completely, is critical. You know? Like if you, if you go to any of these new emerging ecosystems, one of the common factors is the talent. Um, mm. And with talent, I mean good quality engineering universities, uh, good quality, you know, uh, certifications, um, and uh, and how that how that is uh, integrated with the the entrepreneurial ecosystem. So so and that's something that Silicon Valley, for example, did did amazingly well with, you know, Berkeley, Stanford, and and UCLA, and all of the other other universities in California that are very very close to the entrepreneurial ecosystem, and it's kind of a organic path. No? We need yeah. to be able to create that in South America, for example, for sure. The reason why it hasn't happened that fast is because Latin American universities are, are used to um, build uh, models that, were, that hasn't changed in the last 300 years. So they want to build industry. They want to build employees that follows rules. And, you know, yeah. and, and it comes yeah. back to all of the dictatorship uh, you know, uh, the times in, in South America and everything. Um, so, so it's going to take time. Uh, there's some universities that I'm doing it, that I do it, that are doing it. So the other one is a government component. Um, many, you know, I, I always said that government needs to subsidize what is, what is not working, you know, like in Chile, seed capital or angel capital was inexistent. I mean, government should put money in there. Like it will be very profitable for them to put money in seed stage or early stage. It doesn't have to be innovation necessarily or or, or it could be innovation, but not necessarily tech, but I think it will pay for it for sure. Um, and, and, you know, not many people realize, but the ones that I have that have read, you know, uh, uh, you know, the good books of Silicon Valley will say that, you know, the government was very involved uh, primarily through the army in, in semiconductors and, and research um, mm, there. Yeah. Probably the first, the first investors were government in Silicon Valley uh, and people forget about that. So, mm. um, 
And the third component that I think is, is you can import from, from Silicon Valley to another regions is the sense of community, right? Like um, people is very willing to sit down um, if you're not wasting their time, of course, but um, if you know what you want and you have something valuable, people is very willing to sit down with you and have a coffee. And this could be a very big shot investor, a very you know, important CEO or a young uh, entrepreneur anywhere. And that sense of community, I think it's very important to have. And again, if we come back to South America, there's very jerarchic way of doing stuff. Yeah. If I am the CEO of a company, no one can speak to me. You know, like I'm not gonna spend <laughs> having coffee with you, like you recent graduate from any school, like whatever. That that thing has to change. And it has some some way, but but it's something that we need to import that sense of collaboration and community in the ecosystem. So those three things I think you can import. And then you need to really understand um, what are the strongest points of your ecosystem. In the case of Chile, um, we knew that the government had very, very things that are very uh, positive, no? like uh, the Chilean government is very stable. The Chilean economy is very stable. Um, it, it has a stable, uh, you know, uh, uh, treasury uh, management, uh, talent management. It has, so they could do what they do with Startup Chile. Not, mm. not all of them could. Um, and uh, and so that's that's uh, that's really, when I when I look at the Caribbean, for example, yeah, um, and I, I think the Caribbean is is based like the the biggest asset that they have is the talent, and mm. and what's interesting about the Caribbean is most of that talent is some of the talent has stayed, but most of the talent is outside. No, this is in the U.S. or in biggest countries. Mm. How do we leverage on that? Like, how do we leverage on that talent? It following the same concept concept of the global, um, how do we create this community that can support on a very very um, you know uh, me measuring that support uh, to local entrepreneurs in their in their origin their, their original countries? No? Um, yeah. yeah, I think I, that's I think that's where the diaspora conversations have come into play. But I don't know if any governments have really been successful at mobilizing diaspora in that way. At least if they are, I haven't read about it yet. I haven't, you know, I haven't. I, I, I have, I've known for a few programs. I know, I know a program in Lebanon that was doing diaspora stuff. Yeah. But I think there was such a huge potential there. Yeah, there uh, is. That we are, that we are, we are not seeing. And the other one, I think for the Caribbean, it's the climate change, no? Um, mm. Renewable energies, climate, all of that, not only not only Caribbean will be massively affected, but also there's a huge opportunity to innovate around that. No, yeah. So we have an edge, uh, and we need to use that edge. And that edge is not the same for every other country or developed technology ecosystem. Yeah, definitely. So to start wrapping up our conversation, something people should know about you is that you're no longer directly working with Parallel 18. You're now with the Puerto Rico science and technology and research trust, right? So you're the chief yeah. innovation officer there. I did check out their website. You know what I love about the website? Um, how it's kind of broken down, like researchers are our lifeblood and investors are our catalysts. And I thought that was really cool, like how the website was set up. It doesn't even seem like a government program, the way the website is, is, is set up. It looks really cool. And I like the vision. So for 2022, what I want to know is, 
as chief innovation officer, like what are you doing there? And like, what are you involved in now? And sort of like, what's next, I guess, for you in, I guess, in this ecosystem building world that you're in? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, and and just to be clear, we, the, the organization that I work with for, which is the Puerto Rico Science Technology and Business Trust that yeah. fund the Parallel 18 program is not a government. Um, oh, it's not. Okay. Oh, I see. It's a non-for-profit. It's an NGO that receives gotcha. funding from the local government and also okay. receives funding okay. from the federal government and from the private sector. Got so, it. so it started as a, so the government, the government wanted to fund this program, but we found this model of putting all of these efforts under the umbrella of this NGO. Um, so, so my role there, besides, you know, the catchy name of Chief Innovation Officer. I know, it's uh, cool. <laughs> That's uh, a dope name. Is, is yeah, is, is actually bringing, um, so, uh, so the thing is, the Science Trust today has 18 different programs. So Parallel 18 is one of those programs. And their main focus, our main focus is uh, research, which was how Parallel 18, the Science Trust started. Uh, health and uh, entrepreneurship. So my role is to build innovation within those three pillars and to attract innovation within those three pillars to face and solve the most fundamental challenges of Puerto Rico looking into the world, right? Mm. So research regarding energy, research regarding uh, food security, right? How do we support entrepreneurs? How do we build research? How do we make sure that our that our citizens are better because our innovation policies and entrepreneurs are in uh, connected into the right way. That's my role. So cool. Sebastian, this is such a great chat. It was short, but really, really brilliant. And where can people find you? Um, or do you still do? I mean, I know you're not as involved with Parallel 18 as before, but can people still reach out to you? Do you still talk to people around the world? Do you still support people? Or, I, I don't know, like, is that something that you're, that you're open to or that you're currently doing? I, uh, unfortunately, I don't talk to people anymore, Joanne, since <laughs> the COVID. <laughs> no, of you course. You know what I mean? But you know what I mean? Like, no, because when you're like the face of Parallel 18, it's like, that's your job. It's yeah. expected, right? No, no, no. So I, I don't know I, now, you know, kind of step back a bit. <laughs> That is something that I will never stop doing. I love oh. that. I'm okay, very passionate about talking to people. So the easiest way is LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, that's my go-to today. Um, I actually receive or, or engage way more with LinkedIn messages than my own email. So okay. go out there and reach out. Nice. Okay, Sebastian. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. I really appreciate it. And that's all, folks. So until next time. Bye for now. Bye, John. We've arrived at the end. I hope you enjoyed listening in to this week's podcast episode. If so, welcome to the family. You are officially a rare one. As a rare one, I need you to do three things. The first thing is visit the website regularly at www.rarebirdshq.com to make sure that you're not missing out on any of the new fresh content that's being added on a regular basis. The second thing I need you to do once you're on the website page is scroll down, this is on the home page, to opt in to receive our weekly email. 
This weekly email is called the Monday News. This is sent out every Sunday evening, Beijing Standard Time, and it includes a complete recap of all the new content that's been added to the website, as well as the up-to-date podcasts and everything that's happening on the platform. This way you don't miss anything. You get it all in one place, one email once a week. We don't spam and we send you really high quality content to ensure that you're staying up to date with everything that's happening in emerging markets around entrepreneurship and blockchain technology. The last thing that you need to do is if you enjoy listening into the Rare Birds Emerging Markets podcast, please rate it on your favorite podcast platform. This way we can continue to grow our family of rare ones around the globe. All right, folks, that's it for me. Continue to stay rare. And until next time, bye for now.